we had identified a lot that was going to be subdivided into three. We ended up buying half of that package, cash on cash. We made about 120 grand on that deal. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to out-of-state real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Jay Papazan. Hi, Jay. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well, and thank you for joining us. Jay is joining us from Austin, Texas, my home state, or at least my hometown state. He is the vice president of publishing and the executive editor at Keller Williams Realty. And you have probably read one of those books that he's co-authored. He's a best-selling author of The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, The Millionaire Real Estate uh, Investor. And most recently, he co-authored The One Thing with Gary Keller, which has appeared in uh, basically every single national bestseller list, including uh, number one on the Wall Street Journal list. Uh, and he's also the co-owner of a top-producing real estate sales business, the Papazan team, and partner in a private equity firm, Keller Capital. So with that being said, Jay, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I got into real estate because I got into a tech job here at Keller Williams. Had no idea what was going to happen. And about a year into my tenure, this was around 2000, I saw someone working on a book. And they told me that Gary Keller was planning on writing a book. And so I just approached him and said, you know, Mr. Keller, there were only 27 employees back then, which is kind of crazy when we're the largest in the world now. And I was like, do you remember I used to work at HarperCollins? And he confirmed that he was writing a book. And long story short, he was actually studying in a couple of books I'd edited at HarperCollins. So we hooked up, wrote The Millionaire Real Estate Agent in about three months in the summer of 2002, and he became, you know, pretty cool to have the guy who built the largest real estate company in the world be your real estate mentor. So that's how I got into real estate, and I started investing, and my wife started selling, and now we have you know, a team that sold 140 properties last year and lots of investment properties. and. I mean, I'm a French-English major, and now I'm also in a private equity group. I kind of have to slap myself sometimes. <laughs> That's an incredible start where you took it upon yourself to reach out to him, knowing that he was writing a book. Has that been your approach throughout your career, where you kind of kind of go to the very top and, and see what type of value you can add? Or how do you, how do you think about that? You know, I, I wasn't even asking for the job. I just was like... I was so excited. I mean, I love books. If, you've, if anybody who knows me knows, I've always been a bit of a bookworm. I probably read about 40, 50 books a year. Um, and I've worked in bookstores, publishing everything. And now I write books. I always just thought it was cool. I mean, I thought I left publishing behind when I moved to Austin, Texas. And here I'm working at this little 
tiny regional real estate company, and I find out the owner wants to play a game that I know a lot about. I actually was just naively being excited. I wish I thought I was being, you know, go straight to the top, you know, knock on the chairman's door and say, I'm awesome, I'll work for you. I was just being curious. The real coincidence is he pulled out five books, you know, and he laid them on his desk, and he had just shared a vision for writing 13, like all in five minutes. He goes, here's my vision. I want to start with this book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and here's five books me and our other writing partner, Dave, had they had picked out at the bookstore that were some of their favorite how-to books. And it was like The Millionaire Next Door, Good to Great, a book I can never remember. And then there was a book called Body for Life and a book called Go for the Goal by Mia Hamm. And I had edited those last two books as a sports editor. And when I showed him, hey, I did those books, it was kind of like the job interview was over. Now it was going to be an interview on the job. I didn't even know I was interviewing for a job. But he didn't have a writer. He said, you know, so... I just started working with him the next week. So it just happened so fast. Life's that way. I think one guy said, you know, if there's an opportunity to speak up, you know, a closed mouth don't get fed. And I'm just happy I said something. What What was your tech job at Keller Williams before you went into the office to have that conversation? I was a newsletter writer too, right? So I was writing a tech newsletter. Um, and then I was like, I kind of liked the company. And so I, there was a, a research. They needed someone to do research. So I jumped onto that for about six months. And literally when I ran into him, I had helped launch what was then our IT support desk, literally wearing a headset and helping people set up their emails. And I was just trying to figure out what was happening in the company. Like I was trying to understand it. My dad had done customer service and he said, Jay, that's where the rubber hits the road. If you don't know where you belong in the company, go start working with the customers. You'll understand the business. You'll understand what's broken, and you'll probably understand how to fix it. And then you can pick your battle. So I've kind of taken that tech job as a strategic potential step up. Um, I wasn't passionate about, you know, email, fixing email over the phone, believe me. But I thought it was a chance to get an, a sense of what this company did. So that's kind of how I was in the tech department. Let's let's fast forward to the one thing that was recently released. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, the one thing was a project that took us almost five years to complete. Um, from concept, um, you know, to research, to drafting it, to finally publishing it in 2013. And it, it came from um, an essay Gary had written about lead generation and how that was an agent's one thing to do. If you're in real estate sales, if you only do one thing, go out and ask for business and everything else will probably fix itself. And he was a big proponent of that. And he wrote this essay about identifying the things that matter most. And we've all heard of the 80-20 rule, but he just said it really well and he said it with real passion. And it struck me as someone who came from publishing as like, this is Gary's Good to great. This is his thing. You know, the one thing he does better than anyone else in the world is identify the priority and stick to it longer than anyone else. And that was just started the discussion. It's like, we should turn this into a book. And we started working backwards from how Gary approached business and then researching whether or not that was actually valid. And it took us a long time to feel confident. But that book has been, gosh, we're in 20 languages around the world now and have sold, I think, over 360,000 copies. 
in less than two years, and it's actually sales are actually going up week over week. So it's actually still building momentum, which is very unusual. Um, so I'm I am just thrilled to have been a part of it. It's, it was life changing for me to just dive that deep into how to find the priorities and then have to live it for a few years. For the best ever listeners, if they ha- if they're not one of the three hundred sixty thousand people who have bought copies. What are two or three takeaways that they will receive whenever they do buy their copy when they read that book? Um, you know, I think the, the, my favorite compliment of the book is that we didn't try to say that this is anything particularly new, um, but Gary and I are both very pragmatic. Um, I don't want to change the way you think. I want to change the way you act. So I've heard from a lot of people that everybody knows they should probably focus a little bit more, that they should multitask a little less, right? That they should take the things that matter most and make them a habit. Like none of those are really transformative new ideas. We stumble in putting those things into action. So I think that people will get a little bit less of the distractions that drive them crazy, um, be able to say no to more things because they'll be clearer on how to say yes to stuff. So I think that's the big promise of the book. It matters a lot to me because I think today, more than any other time, maybe in history, that sounds like a crazy statement, I think we have a lot of stuff flying at us. Opportunities, you know, with the internet and technology, there are so many things that are so accessible all the time. It's really, really hard to kind of power through that with purpose. And um, it's really liberating when you use some of the techniques in the book say, wow, this is the thing that I really need to be doing, and then make a, a real commitment to doing it. And I think that people can follow through on that very simple success formula, um, and the book gives you the tools to do it. What's one simple thing from the book that people can implement right now after they listen to this interview? Um, I would tell somebody, they say, hey, Jay, I'm struggling with this. I would ask them, and it's the focusing question. Um, it's the heart of our book. What's the one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or necessary. Um, 99 times out of 100, people know their answer. Um, they might be afraid of it. They might not like it. But, you know, hey, I need to, you know what, I need to start going to bed earlier. I need to wake up earlier. Or I need to read more about whatever it is that I'm trying to learn about. Or whatever that activity is, I would then tell you, and this is really like this, the fastest mashup of the concepts possible, if possible, do that before you even left for work. And if not, absolutely make sure it got done every day before noon. One of the more surprising things I learned in the research is this idea of willpower, this, you know, our mental energy to say yes to what we need to do. Um, it's very fleeting. It dissipates very quickly. Um, every decision we make, they call it cognitive stamina. We're reducing our ability to say yes to stuff that matters. And we read research after research study on this. So talk about the early bird gets the worm. There is so much more truth in that than anybody ever guessed. Because early in the day, doesn't matter if you're a morning person or not, you have a lot more mental ability to say yes to the things that might be kind of tough to do. So I usually tell people, figure out your one activity and try to get it done. I mean, honestly, get it done before you even have to leave to work. Because the world is a simple, quiet place. There's less to interfere with. In wealthy people, um, in our research, they get up about three hours before they even have to leave to work. And your first question is, really? 5.30 in the morning or 5 in the morning? And on average, the answer is yes. What the heck are they doing? They're doing the stuff that matters most. 
before they even get into a place where they could be interfered with. So that to me would be like, there's your action plan. Figure out your one thing and then start doing it as early in the day as you can possibly stomach. Jay, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Now, you told me you would ask this, and it drove me absolutely crazy because <laughs> I've, I've invested in so many things. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but I do think this is true. Um, I mean, just yesterday, I was talking to an author named Ryan Holiday about this. Warren Buffett said that the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. And it's the sort of advice I would give my kids. And so I'll share it here. And it, to me, I think about investing in your knowledge. Um, I was studying him. He's one of my investing heroes. Warren Buffett spends, according to the news sources I read, as much as 80% of his days reading. That just blew me away. Wow. He clearly understands that understanding our world and the things that matter is his number one job. And Charlie Munger, his partner, if you go and, you know, go and Google Charlie Munger's mental models, and it's esoteric stuff, math, behavioral economics, um, the kind of things that we do that fool ourselves. He's compiled a list of stuff because they read, they read broadly. They invest in themselves every single day that has helped them arguably become the, the best investors of all time. So to me, the battle I fight every day is to invest in myself. Am I reading not just for information like a newspaper or a sports page, right? It's not facts that make you look smart because, heck, we can Google those anytime. Am I actually trying to acquire new understanding of how the world works? Um, I'll give you an example of one that I learned from Charlie Munger that has made a huge impact on how I look at money. And it's called mental accounting. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't, no. Okay. Well, here's a, here's a, a, a quiz, and I'm sorry to pull this reverse question on you. But if you walked into a casino with $100 and luck is with you and before long you have 500 and then you keep playing and you walk out with $200, how much money did you win or lose at the casino? I believe that would be I won $100. Everybody says that. Mental accounting says the way we acquire money informs how we view it, its value, because we easily won right, $400, we forget the fact that we lost 300 And the real economic value of your trip is that you had at $1.500, you lost $300. And that's the biggest mistake investors make is they don't see their money for its actual true value because the way we get it, maybe we get a windfall, right? We flip a property and we just got all this money people tend to, that gives you a reduced sense of value for that money. And that's like a simple mental model, right? That 30 minutes, one Saturday morning, if you digest it and say, what does that mean for me? It could save you or make you millions over your career. And I, I mean, I just love that because everyone, just, I did the same thing. I made a hundred bucks. No, the way you make money really influences how you view it. Because everybody says that was the house money. It's not true. It was yours. Wow. That's fascinating. I love that. Okay, cool. I'm sorry I put you on the spot. I should have warned you beforehand because I was thinking about that. Hey, I'm sacrificing for the greater good. I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Okay. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? 
Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Jay, best ever book you've read? Oh, gosh, I hate that question. Um, As I told you earlier, I read about 50 books a year. And I have, like, my most recent favorite. So I actually looked at my bookshelves, and I'm going to throw out there um, that one of the most influential books I read is a book that's actually out of print. It's called Masters of Enterprise by H.W. Brands. And um, this is a college professor, but he wrote an incredibly engaging series of profiles on some of the most successful people that ever were in business. I mean, everything from Oprah Winfrey to Sam Walton. And what I love is he kind of told their moments of truth. Like, what are the big essential decisions they made that made all of their future wealth possible? And um, I love, love, love books that do that for me because I'm kind of impatient. Um, And he did a lot of the sorting out for me and said, here's the lesson. Here's what you got to learn from Sam Walton. Here's what you got to learn from Oprah Winfrey. And um, I love books that do that. So that's my choice, Masters of Enterprise. You can still buy it, but there are only used copies circulating out there. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Oh, man. I think that it's, uh, it's got to be working for Mr. Keller, um, my partner, my mentor, my boss, depends on the time of day. Um, <laughs> he is a guy about whom you would easily say, um, I think the guy, it comes from a guy named Sokol, this idea of being pleased but never satisfied. He's always asking, how can we do this better? Um, What would the best in the world do with this? And to work with him now for a decade and a half, every day, every week, every month, he's asked me to think bigger and ask, is there a bigger model for how we're approaching this? And I tell you, there's been days where I hated him for it because it's relentless. But if you ask me and my wife at any time, what's been the biggest gift of working in this company, it's going to be that We've been taught to systematically ask bigger questions of our lives and think bigger. And that's just, that's invaluable. Best ever success habit you practice? Um, I'm going to point to, I did it before the book because Gary was my mentor. But the idea of identifying what makes you successful and making that a habit. Um, As a part of writing the book, we identified seven big areas of our lives, from spiritual to physical, whatever, and over the last few years, my wife and I, our family, we've kind of systematically implemented power habits in each of those areas. You know, we work out with a trainer three days a week. Um, I, you know, for our finances, we're pretty religious about figuring out what our net worth is on a regular basis. We try to do it every single month because that to us is the ultimate barometer. So you have a question, you know, for food or whatever. And over time, as we establish those habits and don't have to work so hard, we just add another one. So the best success habit is making what makes you successful a habit. That's my opinion. Best ever deal you've done? Okay, so I'm going to give you two. One for cash and one for wealth. Um, we partnered with another couple, and we had identified a lot in a um, neighborhood that was going to be subdivided into three. And we ended up buying half of that package. Uh, we had a co-investor that wanted to renovate the house. And we took the land, and then we subdivided that again. And it was my first time subdividing a property. And it took us about a year and change to navigate through City Hall. And we got to name our own subdivision. But I remember 
um, cash on cash for the amount of time, and we made about 120 grand on that deal. It was absolutely a, a windfall considering how much money we had to risk, which was like, oh gosh, I mean, we, we, we pretty much doubled our money, um, which on a year-over-year basis probably still holds my ROI record. Um, from a wealth-building standpoint, it was probably our first house. We never sold it. Um, after a couple of years, we were having a baby boy. We rented it, and that thing has almost never had a day of vacancy. It was the worst house in the best neighborhood, and now um, it's probably tripled in value. And so um, that has been one of those sneak up on you, and you look at your net worth sheet, you're like, holy smokes, <laughs> we've pretty much paid this sucker off, and it is done so well. Thank goodness we never sold it. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Oh, thing I'm most excited about right now. Um, I, I didn't get that. That was supposed to be your project. But what I get excited about right now in the context of investing is interest rates. Um, right now, money is as inexpensive as it probably will ever be in our lifetime. So um, right now with our um, private equity company, Keller Capital, um, we're actually looking, you know, to, we don't, we're kind of cash investors. We have that ability, but we're actually going to bring some leverage into our lives in some areas. There's some real big opportunities there. Um, I mean, right now, just for a regular person with decent credit, you can get less than 4% interest on a home loan. That's insane. Um, that gets me really, really excited. I know that we're at a special time in history in terms of money's availability to those who can qualify and how dead gum cheap it is. Best ever quote. Okay, the quote I've probably repeated the most is um, by the founder of Netflix. And if I'm not mistaken, it's Reed Hastings. And I sometimes want to call him Hastings Reed, but I'm 99% it's Reed Hastings. And he, he said, um, as a businessman, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I'd rather be selling aspirin than vitamins. And that really, really stuck with me. Um, in my research on, on co-authoring three different investing bestsellers and talking to lots and lots of millionaires, um, we get saved to solve problems that other people are unwilling or unable to solve. It's just true every single time. And so when other people see challenges and problems, I think about that and I think, gosh, this is an aspirin moment. This is, this is a money opportunity. Um, the people who are willing to solve the most complex problems get paid the most. And so it's just another way of flipping the world and looking at it differently. And so um, he looked at a challenge people had with the way you rented movies, and he solved it. And God bless him. I hope he's a billionaire. Um, for me, I look at that for, you know, this, this real estate has issues. The foundation's crumbling. It's lost its apparent value. But if you know how to fix that, you can make a lot of money doing it. If you can buy a business that has maybe a bad manager or maybe a slightly bad model, if you know how to fix that, you can make a lot of money. And so that whole idea of aspirin having so much more value, find things that are broken and fix them versus just trying to make good things better. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Oh gosh, there's so many. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like been a long, long unpaid education. Um, I paid for it in other ways, uh, usually gray hairs. Um, my wife and I did a spec home. Um, it's one of those hard, hard lessons where um, literally the day before closing, we backed out. We just said, you know what, this is too good to be true. Um, we had many, many friends, people that we'd worked with a long time in the industry saying this person was reputable. And we just got that icky feeling. And then 
because we really trusted the people we were working with, they called us and like literally came to our home and said, don't back out, you regret this the rest of your life. And against our gut, we went in. And we probably, over a lot of, if you're not even counting the cost of our time, we lost over $100,000 on that project. And it just ticks me off because we knew it wasn't right. And one of the many quotes I had to select from today, you know, Gary's like always saying, I'd rather pass on a good one than buy a bad one. And he goes, just, just be relentless. Just because the numbers make sense, you need to look at 15 different ways it could go wrong and really examine the downside of any potential opportunity. And he always asked me, he goes, Jay, can you live with the downside? And the answer is no, we don't do it. Because there are just so many more opportunities out there if you're willing to keep looking. So that was a hard, hard lesson, and I hope I've learned it and will never, ever repeat it again. Just curious, what was the cause of that investment not working out? The builder um, was not in the end ethical. He had done a couple of different projects, and because real estate prices were moving forward and the market was moving forward, um, he was rolling his money forward. And it was unseen by the banks that were loaning him money. It was unseen by his investors because they were getting paid. But it was basically kind of a Ponzi scheme. You know, he accepted our loan money, but he didn't actually use it for our house. He tried to use it to start two. And, you know, that merry-go-round stops when the market, the bank says, we're not getting out any more money to anyone. And when the market started to crash, unfortunately, ours was on the tail end. So our house was about $110,000 short of completion. And it was in an area where there were dozens of homes that just never even got ground broken. The money would just went away. And so we had to, one, finish the property and then wait until that subdivision recovered enough that we could even sell it. So it was, uh, I hate even talking about it. <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where we knew something was sour in there. And we knew it, like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And, but I mean, everyone, the, our attorneys, the people that we'd worked with, the title companies, they all said, this guy's legit. And I think he probably didn't see anything he was doing as wrong because he had so much confidence and that he'd done it before and could do it again. But I think that's how those things often end. Um, I think they call that hubris before the fall. What's the best ever place to reach you? Um, you know, my last name, Papasan, P-A-P-A-S-A-N. Um, I'm really easy to find on social media. Um, so, you know, reaching out to me on Twitter, uh, reaching out to me on Facebook or LinkedIn, depending on which of those flavors. I check in on each of those at least once a week. Um, so it won't be like a, a message there gets stranded forever. So those are good, easy ways to find me and reach me. Jay, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners. And, you know, I, I got a lot of takeaways from this conversation and I have like literally, I literally have two pages of notes and I won't go through all my notes, but I'll say from a high level, some of the things that really stood out to me is, you know, how you, how you got started, you know, having that conversation with Gary and as you clarified whenever I talked to you about it, it wasn't because you were looking to go to the top and, and try and get ahead. It was just because you had a genuine interest in what he was doing and you wanted to see if there was some way of you could help him out. And then the the chips fell where, where they did and things did work out in a tremendous way. You know, I, I think that's, that's, that's one takeaway for all of us where if there's somebody we want to approach, let's think about if we're going in with a pure heart, because if we go in with a pure heart and generally want to help them because it's exciting us, 
then I think our uh, possibility for success, our probability for success will increase dramatically. And also, you know, talking about the one thing and the question that you ask, you know, what's the one activity, what's the one thing you can do uh, that once you do it, everything's going to be easier. Is it go to bed early? Is it read more? What, what's that thing? And do it in the morning because we tend to be natural procrastinators and our willpower, as you said, dissipates quickly. And so, as, as you said, when the people you were studying, the successful people, they get up three hours before they go to work. It's like, what are they doing? Well, they're doing the stuff that makes them successful. That's why they're up. That's why they're doing it. I think that's incredible. And whenever you um, ask me the question about the best investment, um, it, you, you mentioned the best investment you can make is in yourself. Then you talked about the mental accounting. And you know, we talked about that $100 uh, up to $200 or excuse me, I got a hundred bucks, then I make, uh, I win $500 and I'm back down to 200. What I win a hundred dollars. Nope. I actually lost the money. And the insight there is something I've never really thought of. And that is how the ease of how you make the money influences how you perceive it. And I think that's really important for all of us to take away, especially, um, the best ever listeners who are in the wholesale and fixing and flipping business. Uh, because the money tends to be transacted um, a lot quicker in, in those arenas. And also, you know, your thought that you mentioned is about always think bigger. You know, that's what Gary challenges to, to do on a continual basis and ask bigger questions of our lives. I mean, this has just been a phenomenal conversation. I'm so darn grateful that you were, were able to share your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and, and myself. And thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, man. I really enjoyed it. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 